Well, I have prayed that you all would have a good Thanksgiving break, prayed for safe travel. Uh, we pray for Father Mark this evening and tomorrow. Um, he is attending uh, the Bridget Kirby vigil tonight in Spokane and then the funeral mass tomorrow. And we certainly continue <laughs> to offer our prayers and to try to find our way forward in these times and this season. The Lord tells us to be watchful, to be prepared, to expect his coming. So when you come to Mass tonight, obviously none of you knew it was the new year, or at least you were too shy to say something, I don't know. But were you expecting to meet Jesus in a new way? Or was it just the same old, same old? Oh, time to go to Mass. It's, it's what we do. We have to prepare our hearts in a new way. If we want to move forward, if we want to fill our hearts again with hope and with confidence in the love of God, we have to expect the Lord in a new way. And Jesus says it himself in the gospel. What gets in the way are drifting through the world. And he says it specifically, the anxieties of daily life. What are you worried about tonight? What are you afraid of? What's weighing you down? Something that happened when you went home? Relationships with friends or with a special friend? Studies, exams, tragedy, sadness, uncertainty, anxiety. Jesus warns us, don't let that weigh you down. Be prepared. So how can we be prepared? As we move into Advent, we're going to be celebrating some great saints and these saints are very human, and the hagiography of these saints teaches us, you know, very interesting things. Now, whether or not they're specifically exactly true, I don't know, but everything is based in truth. And so on Tuesday, we'll celebrate the Feast of St. Andrew. And most of you know that St. Andrew, St. Peter's older brother, a disciple of Jesus, like his brother Peter, was crucified on a cross. Peter tradition tells us was crucified upside down but St. Andrew tradition tells us said I don't want to die on the cross like my Lord did so they created the cross in the form of an X St. Andrew's cross and supposedly they instead of nailing him to it they tied him to it because the suffering would last longer but Andrew said it was all part of the plan because tradition tells us that while Andrew over a course of days was being crucified he was preaching on a cross, he was preaching and converting people. And finally, the authorities had enough and tried to expedite his death. We're also going to celebrate a great saint of humility, St. John of the Cross, on December 14th in this Advent season. Now, St. John warns us about seeking supernatural phenomena. It's not something that should be uh, sought. It's not something that should be, uh, you know, wished for. But nevertheless... 
St. John, when he would pray toward the end of his life, would oftentimes levitate, and this would cause quite a stir. And so oftentimes he would go off into the woods to pray, and people would sneak out to watch him levitating as we go. So I'm going to watch you all to see if you all might levitate in this Advent season doing your deep forms of prayer. It's pretty interesting what God can do with that, with that, with our lives that way. So I would like to get to a saint we'll celebrate too that I think in her young life, and she was your age, made a profound impact upon the world. St. Lucy of Syracuse. St. Lucy was born in 283 under the rule of the Roman Empire. Her family was of nobility. Her father was of means. And before she even turned five, supposedly her father had set up a dowry for her so that she could get married. Some traditions tell us that he had already picked the suitor, who at that point wasn't much older than she was, as also a nobleman or son of a nobleman. But when she was between the ages of five and six, St. Lucy tragically lost her father, leaving her mother to raise her and care for their estate, which she did quite well. But as, as Lucy moved into her teenage years, her mother uh, developed a disease of the stomach and was sick all of the time. And she went to doctors. She went to surgeons of the day. She tried every sort of medicinal remedy the Roman Empire had and got no relief. Four years she suffered. And finally, there was a rumor going around that some 50 miles away, um, in, a, in another town in Sicily, there was the tomb of St. Agatha. And St. Agatha had lived 50 years ahead of Lucy. She was a maiden who had been arrested because of her Christianity, had been sold into a brothel, and was eventually tortured to death. But people began to proclaim that there were miracles that were happening at the tomb of St. Agatha. And so in a kind of a last-ditch effort, Lucy convinced her mom to make the journey and go to the tomb of St. Agatha. And they were there, and there were a lot of people there. They went to mass, went to the tomb, and then people, as the sunset kind of drifted off, and Lucy convinced her mom that they would spend the night at the tomb, just sleep outside. And during the night, Agatha visited Lucy in a dream and said, my daughter, you will be like me. Your, uh, your virginity will be given to God and you will die for your belief in God. And you will change the face of the world through your death. And your mom will be healed, not because of my intercession, she'll be healed because of your holiness. Woke up the next morning, her mom was completely healed. And so she told her mother that she did not want to get married, that she wanted to devote her life, her virginity to uh, following Jesus as a virgin. And her mother wasn't too wild about the idea and said, no, honey, I'm just going to keep your dowry. We're going to plan for your marriage. But she was persistent. She said, mother, God healed you. You owe something back to the Lord for that grace. And eventually, as they began to practice the faith, her mother agreed and said, all right, if you want to take your dowry and spend it on the poor, that's fine with me. At that point, the emperor Diocletian began to persecute 
uh, Christians, and many of them had to go underground into the catacombs. There are still catacombs today in Syracuse and Sicily where you can see where, where those who were living at the time of Lucy hid from persecution. But Lucy didn't hide. She stayed above ground. But what she would do is she would take the money from her dowry and she would buy food and clothing and necessities for those hiding in the catacombs. And she would um, take them down there. And she would have both hands full. And tradition tells us that uh, she couldn't see, so she put a garland on her head and had four candles and lit the candles so she could see her way through the catacombs to give, uh, to give aid to the Christians who were in hiding. Well, eventually the day came when her suitor came calling and said, it's time for us to get married. And Lucy said, I already love someone else. I love Jesus Christ. It's my right not to have to get married. At the time, the law of the land was you could get out of a betrothal, but you had to buy your way out of it. And unfortunately, uh, the suitor was, was willing to take the money, but she had spent it all. Her whole dowry was spent on the poor. And so she was arrested and hauled into court. Accusations were made. And Lucy said, I'm already pledged to another. I love someone out of this world. I am pledged to Jesus Christ. Well, that didn't go over so well in that court. They tried to get her to burn incense to the gods, to the pagan gods, and she refused. She refused. And finally... She was sentenced the same way Agatha was 50 years before to be sold into a brothel. And so they passed sentence and they went to haul Lucy off to the brothel and they couldn't move her. She was like a brick. And they got a whole bunch of guys and they tried to move her. They tied her arms and her legs. They couldn't budge her. And she says, I already belong to another. Don't you see? I am his. Well, they decided maybe that instead of a brothel, they would just kill her there. So they brought in a whole bunch of sticks and wood, set it around her, and set it on fire. And she said, don't you see, this fire won't even consume me because the love of Jesus sustains me. So uh, the fire burnt itself out. She was unharmed. So they brought in a group of ox, a whole team of oxen. And this team of oxen couldn't budge her. At this point... Uh, people began to get a little angry that <laughs> they couldn't do anything with this young maiden. And so in a rage, uh, the judge said uh, supposedly that your suitor loved your eyes. He fell in love with your eyes. So let's give your eyes to him. So they, right in front of everyone, they gouged out her eyes and gave them to the suitor as payment. Well, supposedly, as soon as they gouged them out, new eyes grew in immediately. And she says, these eyes are to look upon the love of my life. And so, uh, in a rage and fury, the judge actually grabbed a sword, and this was completely illegal in the Roman court, grabbed a sword and hacked off half of her head. Well, she still was alive. (laughs) And she says, I'm not going to die yet. And after that act, they actually arrested the judge. They hauled him out. He would eventually be beheaded for his rage in the courtroom. And she said, I am on my way to see my beloved, but I want to see a priest first. So they went to the catacombs, got a priest in hiding. He came and brought her, uh, anointed her, and gave her the Eucharist, and she died on the spot. And so that transformed the world. Now, that that sounds like, like, well, okay, Father, that's, that's a really wild story. I don't know if I believe all the details, and maybe they didn't all happen that way. But there was someone 
and 303, who was 20 years old, who was killed for her faith and her love for Jesus Christ. And that converted a lot of people. Because after Lucy died, there was a widespread conversion in Sicily. And that story not only basically converted almost the whole of Italy, but now she's reverenced as a patroness of 20-some-odd countries. December 13th is a huge celebration in many places, all because of one person. Do you believe that you could change the world in Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter that you're just a Carroll College student studying this or that, or that you're a young person, or even an old person. Do you believe that in Jesus Christ, he could do something spectacular in your life? He can, and he will, unless you don't watch for it, unless you're filled with the anxieties of this life, unless you doubt it. Another great saint we celebrate in Advent, of course, is St. Nicholas. We all think he's all jolly and happy, but the great story about St. Nicholas is that the Council of Nicaea tradition tells us that he got really mad at Arius, another priest who was propagating heresy, and called him an SOB and punched him in the face. Now that's toughness. Lucy was tough. St. John of the Cross was tough. St. Andrew was tough. We need to be tough. That's how God works through us. There is such a temptation in this day and age to become, for lack of a better term, a snowflake, where we just melt at the first thing that happens. And we get all worried, we get all anxiety ridden, and we're like, I don't know what to do. We have to be tough. It's a virtue. So, how can we grow in this Advent season? How can you draw to the light of Jesus Christ? By the way, Lucy means light. And it makes sense with the miracle of her eyes and the candle she wore in her head. Light. She represented the light of Christ. How can we see that light of Christ? And how can we shine it out to other people? How can we prepare better? First off is this. Maybe with anxieties of this life, oftentimes we get distracted with things that aren't that important. What are the things you maybe spend time doing every week that becomes, in an essence, in the end, kind of a waste of time? What is that? We all have little things that we do that waste time. Maybe in this Advent season, you dial that back a little bit and say, you know, Lord, I want, I'll give up this to pray, to watch for you, to be focused. Pope Francis said, earlier today that we'll never see the Lord coming again if we don't devote ourselves to prayer. And so maybe replace that wasted time with time of prayer. What else can we do? Something more significant and probably more important than that is to learn to forgive. Forgiveness. If we don't forgive, we get blocked. We get caught up in the stream of the world in anger and resentment. What do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Lucy certainly uh, forgave those who persecuted her in that courtroom. And that was through a miracle of Jesus. Forgiveness is not easy. 
Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive someone else or a group of people. But let me tell you this. Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Do you really believe that? That you are forgiven by Jesus? If God can forgive us, we must learn to forgive each other. And sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard when it comes to matters of the heart. And so in that way, I just say, start maybe with your head and just say, Lord, I want to forgive and name them. This person or that person or that event or that incident. Because I can't move forward to you to shine your light until I forgive. And the number three is consider the things that you love. Oftentimes, we feel like we're going to lose the things that we love. That's our greatest fear. And sometimes those fears are realized. We've lost something or someone that we love. And it really hurts. And it can bring confusion. It can weigh us down. Jesus teaches us that he is love. And we have to understand that we place the love of Jesus above all things. Lucy placed her virginity and her love of her spouse, Jesus Christ, above all things. If we're able to do that, if we're able to let go of those things we love in Jesus, we don't really lose them. Life might be changed but it is not ended. If you want to keep something, you have to focus on Jesus. He restores everything in the end. That's why he's gonna come again. He's gonna come again to restore all those things that have been lost. But in Jesus, who is love, they're never lost. So are you willing to let go of something that you love in order to gain in a deeper way the love of Jesus. That's tough. That's tough. But it will free us. So, sometimes we go through life thinking, you know, <clears throat> I'll just do that later. I'll just get to it later. Not right now, not right now. We put off, we put off, we put off. And the Lord is telling us in the gospel, don't put it off anymore. The time is now. You can make a difference. Deal with the light. Expect the light. Watch for the light. At the tomb of Agatha, Lucy told her mother these words because her mother was telling her, like, don't take your dowry now. Just hold on to it. And when I die, you can make all the decisions later. Put it off, put it off. And Lucy responded, Whatever you give away at death for the Lord's sake, you give because you can't take it with you. But, mother, give now to the true Savior while you are healthy. Give now. Don't wait. So, we have a challenge for the Advent season. 
Uh, let us pray for one another and let us trust that it is Jesus Christ that we desire who is our light, who is our savior, who is our hope, and who is our joy.